Surgery plays a crucial role in cancer care, including in curative treatment, prevention and palliation. And yet it has been estimated that less than 5% of patients in low-income settings have access to cancer surgery that is safe, affordable and timely. In this episode, we hear from Dr. Mrs. Beatrice Riafe Adai, who works in Ghana as a breast surgeon and so much more. The Global Oncology Podcast is a series of interviews conducted by myself, Dr. Katie Piddock, with experts in the field of global oncology. During London Global Cancer Week, we managed to record an interview with Dr. Mrs. Beatrice Wiafe Adai. As a consultant breast surgeon, CEO of the Ghana Peace and Love Hospitals and president of Breast Care International, Dr. Wiafe had many pearls of wisdom to share with us. In this, the first of two episodes, we learn about global cancer surgery, how surgeons worldwide can get involved, and we also discuss funding and corporate social responsibility. Please do get involved and let us know what you think. You can tweet us at globaloncpod or check out our website, globaloncologypodcast.com, where you will find key references with each episode. Welcome to the Global Oncology Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Dr. Wiafe, are you able to just introduce yourself to our listeners? Okay. My name is Dr. Mrs. Beatrice Wiafe Adai. I'm a consultant breast surgeon. I'm the president and founder of Breast Care International, the chief executive officer of the Peace and Love Hospitals. I chair the Ghana Cancer Board, and I also chair the Ghana NCD Alliance. I want to say a very big thank you to the organizers of the London Global Cancer Week, especially Dr. Susan Stanway and her team. They've done a great job. The week has been packed, impactful, full of experiences and full of new ideas. So I'm very happy I could come. And I also want to thank my friend and collaborator, Professor Theresa Weissman. Thank Thank you too for having me. Thank you for showing interest in what we are doing, even though we are doing it way there in Africa. So interested and you've shown the interest in learning what we are doing in the fight against breast cancer. You are welcome. Well, I am really privileged to be able to interview you today. And I'd really just love to share your thoughts with our listeners about surgical care, about breast cancer, about oncology in Ghana and beyond. So we're just going to talk through some questions, if that's okay. Yes, it's okay. I'm ready for you. So to start with, please, can you tell us a bit more about why surgery is so important in cancer care? Okay, thank you so much. Surgery occupies a very important place in oncological care. And you can think about all the various disciplines under oncology, whether it's breast cancer, whether it's cervical cancer, it's bone cancer, liver cancer, all the cancers. Surgery has a very big role 
And I must say that if we want to talk about cure, then it's most often through surgical management that we can get cure. And that is why we, we are very particular about early detection. If we are encouraging people to go early to the hospital, we must be ready to offer good quality surgical care. Surgery is not only for the treatment. Surgery is also important for diagnosis. If I want to take breast cancer, we need some surgical manipulation to get tissue because we need to always have a morphological diagnosis. The diagnosis of the tissue to get the information, what kind of tumor it is, and the nature, the subtype, and so on. These days, things have moved so fast, and we are even thinking of genetics in cancer management. But you need to have some biological tissue for these investigations. And we are using surgery for diagnosis. Sometimes we can use surgery for prevention, when we talk about early stage cervical cancer, for example, we, we can use surgery for prevention and other cancers. So we can also use surgery for palliative care. So it's not only the treatment. Normally, when we talk about surgery, people think about only the treatment. We need surgery even before treatment. Thank you. And can you tell us a bit more about surgery in Ghana and other low and middle income countries? So when we are talking about the kind of surgery that is offered in the low and middle income countries, most often is different from the kind of surgery that is done in the high income countries. In the high income countries, you are now talking about robots doing some surgical manipulations. We are far from there. In the low and middle income countries, we often have inadequate manpower. A lot of doctors have been trained to be surgeons, but because of one reason or the other, majority of them are in the developed world where they don't need them, actually. They need, I mean, the surgeons are needed back home, but they leave the low and middle income countries and travel for greener pastures. Some of them, you don't blame them because the conditions are just not favorable at home. But we need to make things work at mm. home. We can't all run to the developed world. We can't all escape from the bad conditions. We should try and make the conditions favorable. And here I would like to invite or get our governments involved because it's not an individual decision anymore. Our government should come into the picture. Mm. Make sure that the conditions are favorable. If it means getting the right tools to work with, they should be given. Because if we are talking about the rule surgery placing this, the cancer control, if there are no 
call biopsy needles. How do you expect the doctor to do the biopsy test? If there are no uh, gloves available, simple things like gloves can be something big in a low and middle income facility. But these are things that the governments, the health ministers should make sure they are available mm. so that the doctors will stay and work on the people. And can I ask a bit more information about Peace and Love Hospitals and its role in breast cancer care in Ghana? Yes, Peace and Love Hospitals started as an affiliation of the Breast Care International. In fact, they are sister organizations. At the time when I started this whole movement, going on outreach, going to the radio stations, going to the churches, I realized that uh, there, were, there was another organization in Accra who was doing this education. It was called Mamoke, but it folded up, unfortunately. But I started working with them. And the challenges that we were finding was that those people that Mamoke was finding on their outreach programs, the teaching hospital was refusing to accept them. And that wasn't good at all. So I was thinking, how can we make up for that? Because it meant that there was a big gap between the activities of the NGO and the hospitals. So then I said, OK, why can't we start the Peace and Love Hospital and do something? So I started by having the Kumasi office, and after a while, started the Accra branch. It's not easy to put up structures in Ghana. They are very expensive. But I had to look for a loan from the bank, put them up, and it's been worthwhile. When I used to work in the teaching hospital, I realized we didn't have a place to handle breast cancer patients. We had a common surgical area. So you'll be examining a woman in a consulting room and a man can just enter with a POP on the hand, you know, because it was a surgical consulting room. So I spoke with the authorities to give me a place to start the breast clinic. There was no place. So they told me I should look for a place if I find. And that was before Peace and Love Hospital. So I checked through the whole hospital. It's a big teaching hospital. And I found the first structure that was used as the hospital, which was falling off. And they were planning to use it as a canteen. So I told the authorities I want that structure. And they said they don't have money for rehabilitation. So okay. So I wrote an application to the Social Investment Fund. It was the first health project the SIF did in Ghana. So my husband is a civil engineer. So he drew for me what I wanted to have in that facility. And we put it up. I needed to contribute 10% of the finance, the amount they needed 
for the rehabilitation and SIF give the 90%. And so if you go to the Confanochi Teaching Hospital now, that structure is there, it's their breast care unit and it's still being used. So when I left, I then went to another rural hospital to go and work there and start off the breast clinic for them before I started the Peace and Love Hospital. So there's a model between the Breast Care International and the Peace and Love Hospitals. So if Breast Care International goes on an outreach program and we've, after screening we find women, the survivors start counseling there so that they will understand that it's not a death sentence, they need to follow up. But we advise them, you have the options, the cancer treatment centers, and these are in the teaching hospitals. So we give them the option, and or you can come to the Peace and Love Hospital. So the women are given the option where they want to go. Our idea is to make sure the woman knows where to go. Because if you find her in the community and you don't direct her, She'll be going to the same local clinic she has who cannot treat the condition. And maybe the nurses there are not even equipped to diagnose the disease. Or the doctors do not have the facilities. They don't have the core biopsy needle. They don't have the pathology services. So it will be a wasteful venture. So they need to be directed to the centers they can have the right diagnosis and treatment. And that has been yielding good results. There have been some research even in that to investigate. The University of Bordeaux in France sent their master's program students to come and investigate the activities of Breast Care International in the communities. And it came out that the activities are so helpful and it's one of the strong avenues to help with early detection strategies in the low and middle mm. income countries. Can I ask what's the funding mechanism for the care at Peace and Love Hospitals? The Peace and Love Hospital, even though it's a private facility, we make sure that a woman who comes there would not be sent back home because she has no money. And that's the, one of the activities of Breast Care International. So we reach out to people who can assist us, help us to treat poor patients. Our partners, Direct Relief, has also been sending medications to poor but needy patients in Ghana. So we get some of these medications for such patients and we also distribute to clinics and hospitals in Ghana. And I want to thank Direct Relief for that. And also, um, the kind of health insurance that we have in Ghana. We have the national health insurance, but it's only for certain medications for cancer, for breast and cervical cancer. It does not pay for screening. It does not pay for diagnosis. So if you do a core biopsy for a woman, the sample has to go to the pathologist. The health insurance doesn't cater for it. 
so many patients come and they don't have money for the biopsy. So if you are not able to diagnose, how do you offer the treatment if you are giving it for free? You need to diagnose before you treat. And so that is a huge challenge. We are also advising women to be screened so that we can find early lesions for screening for cervical cancer, clinical screening for breast cancer, they are not covered by the insurance. And when we've even helped the woman to do the diagnosis and the screening, and we arrive at the diagnosis of breast or cervical cancer, then you realize the woman has no insurance and has no money to pay and get registered. So we also register every year, we register patients on the National Health Insurance because it's cheaper for us to register them than to try to buy the medications for them. So the Peace and Love Hospital started as a breast cancer hospital or a breast care hospital. But as we moved on, we realized cervical cancers were coming. So we have two gynecologists now who work in the ONG department. So they handle the cervical cancer and other gynecological cancers. Could you tell us a little bit more about how surgeons could get involved? Yes, surgeons are very welcome to come on board because you can offer your time and your knowledge through the webinars that we do. The Harvard Global Health Initiative. I will give the link to you, Katie, so you put it up there. We also encourage holiday surgeons. Like it's your leave time, you can get one week off. You contact us, contact Dr. Mrs. Yafiade, contact Breast Care International, or Peace and Love Hospital, and we will arrange that. We check your background. We also check with our processes at home because we have some surgeons who have made it a point to be coming on regular basis. My daughter is a gynecologist in Holland, and she has a team of gynecologists who come every quarter to work in Brikum, which is even more rural. But they go there, they spend a week or two to do surgeries. So that is there. And they come to the Peace and Love Hospital to also offer their services. So our doors are open. We can also link up to the uh, Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, which is across the road from Peace and Love Hospital, we have an MOU and we do a lot of research together. So those who are from the uh, universities, we can have a great link. You can come and offer your services. You can also help in the training of surgeons, whichever way you think you can do it, so either through the webinar or through your physical presence and we can organize that. We can organize visa on arrival for you when if you want to come so you don't have to worry about that. We will meet you and pick you from the airport. So you don't have to worry. The only thing is we don't have money. 
but we will make everything comfortable for you. Thank Training you. surgeons in all fields are very important. Normally we want the fields that our local doctors can learn from so that when you are not there, they can practice what you taught them. Have you got any thoughts on how we can ensure that cancer gets the funding that it needs in low and middle income countries? We are always talking about lack of money. As we speak now, uh, cancers are not a priority for our governments, unfortunately. So, I mean, because there are other competing things, they have to think about malaria, they have to think about HIV, AIDS, tuberculosis. We understand. but. We shouldn't leave the non-communicable diseases behind because we will be done with HIV, AIDS, malaria, and tuberculosis. We'll be done with them one day, but the cancers will always be with us. The other non-communicable diseases like hypertension, diabetes, will always be with us. So we should start putting some monies into those areas. We should also or start talking seriously to our private sector, the pharmaceutical companies, the mining companies, the, all those uh, big, big companies who are in the low and middle income countries. I think it should be their corporate social responsibility to help the population to be healthy. Because if the population is not healthy, what is the manpower you are going to use? Who are you going to employ? So it should not be like a favor, but rather a corporate social responsibility. So I'm using your medium to invite all the private sector, the corporate um, entities we have the pharmaceutical companies to join hands with us. Something that Delta Airlines has been doing with Breast Care International for the past uh, three years is that they've been supporting the rural outreach programs. We call it the Kill Can Kicks Cancer Out program. So once every month, Rescue International is sent to one community or the other. And when it's October that we are doing the BCI Ghana work for the cure, they always come to our support. And I just wish the other private sector, the other corporate bodies will emulate that. And that is a huge responsibility I mean, sometimes people do not find it necessary to support some of these activities, but they are very important. Our people are dying needlessly, especially our women. And most of the homes, you have the women as the breadwinners. They are dying from breast cancer early. They are dying from cervical cancer. And they are dying from the other non-communicable diseases. Stroke is so common. Diabetes so, is so common, hypertension. And if we don't tackle these diseases early, if we don't step up again, 
we would lose a lot of our workforce. Mm. And it will also affect the future. Because if you take breast cancer, for example, the mean age for Ghana and most African countries is 49 years. A woman who is 49 years old is still young. Her children are little. Uh, some we are getting breast cancer striking as early as 13 years, 14, 17, 18. In the 20s, we have a lot of them. So if we don't step up, if we don't sit up, if we don't do the right things, we will continue to lose countless women needlessly and prematurely. So what I'm saying is that we can do a lot. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We just have to look at the best practices of the high-income countries. Look at where they got it wrong and skip and pick the good things. So we are even lucky to have examples there for us. So we, we look at UK and we will say these are the good things that are happening. Let's pick them. Those are bad things that happened. We skip them. And so it will mean that we may even jump yeah. further if we want to. We need the political will. We need the manpower development. We need to have that can-do spirit and invite our people, those who can offer some help back home, should do it. We are not saying they should all come back home, those who have gone elsewhere. But they can, they can offer some help. We can feel their presence even without their physical presence. So if you are from Ghana, and you are listening to me, you know you are an oncology surgeon, just reach out to us. We have the webinar, which we started uh, with the Harvard Global um, Health Initiative. And we are tra training um, manpower in global uh, surgical oncology. So we are doing the webinars and people can sign in into the webinar and listen to the lectures, ask questions, and give your contribution. That is a way you can give back to the society. I also want to encourage those doctors who are back in Africa, in the other low and middle income countries, not to give up. They still have a lot to do. We should understand that oncology is something that we've come to meet. And so we should look at what the high-income countries are doing and improve on what we can do. And we should know that our people depend on us to give them the right things, the quality care they need. And even when it's palliative care, we should know that we can do palliative care, offer good palliative care, good pain management, 
good comfort, good psychological, psychosocial care to our patients. Because most of our patients are already coming late. So they are not far from palliation. So we should be ready to offer palliative care to them. Breast Care International have a new website, bciamerica.org. So have a look, get in touch and please donate. The second part of our interview has more on strategies for early detection, community education, survivorship and palliative care. Follow us on Twitter at Global Oncopod to make sure you don't miss out. And as always, check out our website, globaloncologypodcast.com, where you can find key references. I've been your host, Dr. Katie Piddock, and you've been listening to the Global Oncology Podcast. Thank you.